All right, October has been a wonderful month for us. We've been discussing God's word, perfect peace, with emphasis on mental health and wholeness. Mental health and wholeness. I believe very strongly that today's conversation very easily could be the most important in the series so far. Isaiah chapter 26. I'll read verse 3 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 26. I will read verse 3 and verse 4. For those who are watching online, we acknowledge you and we also thank you for joining us. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 26. I will read verse 3 and verse 4. It says that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Verse 4 says, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Somebody say glory to God. All right. I want to give us an assignment. I know we've never started. I'm already giving assignments. All right. Um, I think, let me not say that. All right. Well, let me just give us an assignment. I will encourage you to do it. If you ask our oldies in KICC, I don't mark any assignments. Um, that's because there's another teacher that marks it. The name of that teacher is Life. Um, so I want to encourage you to do your assignments and be a good student. Amen? I know you guys are, you guys are on fire, man. You guys are hot. I remember when we were tuning in virtually and PG was ministering to us. And, you know, just people were just dishing out stuff and rolling out all the circles. I was like, thank God. I, you don't know, it's a big deal. Sometimes you preach a sermon. It's not even next week. Immediately after the sermon, everybody has forgotten everything. All right, but thank God for the kind of heart that we have here of people who genuinely and truly want to receive God's word. Glory to God. The assignment I want to give you is to go listen to a series we did a while back. You won't find it on YouTube. Um, because we were not on YouTube when it was done. And sometimes when I listen to our early sermons, I'm like, wow, God has been with us from the very beginning, even when we didn't confidently know that he was with us. It's a series called Counterculture. You will only find it on Spotify or Audiomack. All right, do well to listen to it. If you have time, listen to the entire series. If you don't have enough time, listen to the part Exit the Maze. Maze, maze. Anybody knows what a maze is? Not corn, not maze of corn. All right. The maze is like a highly complicated puzzle that is designed to have an entrance that you should not, and an exit you should not easily find. All right. Exit the maze. I think it will bless you because part of what we are talking about today, we, we are talked about it then, and it just blessed me all over again. I went to listen to it. I was like, who is this person preaching? I was blessed all over again. And that's the power of God's word and the power of God's spirit. All right, it's timeless. The word is timeless. If indeed it is the word of the spirit, it is timeless. You can listen to it in 1948. You can listen to it in 2800. Pardon my French. I should have said 2800. All right. The, the whole idea is the word of God is timeless. Glory to God. All right. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, there's going to be some drama in today's service. Please stay. Don't remember the drama. Remember the word, okay? Hello? So just remember the word. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says that when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, 
he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You can see that that's a trick question. Verse 14, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some Elias, which we would read today as Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Meaning, we are not even really sure, but we have a group for you. Verse 15, He said unto them, um, we've sampled a larger demographic now. I'm scaling it down to my own disciples, the people who I've lived with, the people who we've done ministry together, the people whom I've traveled and journeyed with. It, it, it is a bit excusable or pardonable if those on the outside don't really know who I am. But you guys have been with me for so long, at least you should have some form of idea of who I am. So he says in verse 15, Who then do you say that I am? And verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And this is the response in verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, unto Simon, he says, Blessed art thou, Simon bar Jonah. So Simon, son of Jonah. He says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Father, we ask that you shine your light upon our hearts. Reveal your truth to us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. The Bible is a very, very powerful and interesting book. And every detail in Scripture is there for a purpose. Every detail is there for a purpose. The Bible tells us that Jesus, having done ministry across various cities, gets to a particular location and he begins to ask an interesting question that he did not ask anywhere else. He didn't ask this question in Nazareth. He didn't ask this question in Bethlehem. He didn't ask this question in Galilee. He didn't ask this question in Capernaum. He got to a particular location. Now, for those of us reading, we're just like, oh, Jesus went to Capernaum. Where's Capernaum? And he went to Galilee. Okay, where's Galilee? So he went to Caesarea Philippi. And he begins to ask a question. Now, the average person reading this immediately sees Caesarea Philippi. The average Jew reading this sees Caesarea Philippi. Let's assume this is your Bible. And Jesus got to Caesarea Philippi. The average Jew, do you know what they would do? Before they read what Jesus said, they would drop it. How can Jesus go to Caesarea Philippi? Does he not know the place? What's he doing there? Can they put my map on the screen? Can they put my map on the screen? I want to help us this morning. Um to know that we've not come to God's house just to experience tales. I want to help us. I've been using your imagination too much this month. So I want to help us this, this month with a map. Praise God. Can, can you see a little? At least it's, it's better than nothing, right? The, when I was a lot younger, I and my brothers, I was, I was last born, in case you didn't know. Um, there, was, there was a game we used to play. When it's towards... December, like this, we used to get a lot of gifts in the house of diaries um, and calendars. Anybody remember that 
point in time, back in the days, all right? And then when we get diaries, we would open to maps. We just were fascinated with maps, uh, my siblings, and we used to play a game. The game is, I will pick a city, as tiny as it can be, I will say the name, and we will time how quickly you can spot the city. Do you get that game? So imagine those large diaries. You just say, where is Katangora? And I'll start scanning, scanning, scanning. I found it. I found it. All right. Um, so can you see Simeon? Can you see Judah? Can you see Benjamin? Can you see Benjamin? Can you see Shechem? Can you see Shiloh? Anybody? This is not this is not high test, though, please. I'm not your <laughs> I'm not your ophthalmologist, please. Don't be scared. Is that how you can see it? Or you can see it? Glory to God. Can you see Gaza? Okay, you can see Gaza. All right. Um can you see Issachar? You can see Issachar, they're like, ah, Issachar, we know the times, man. We know Issachar. Okay. Can you see Asha? Um, can you see Bethlehem? I think we did Bethlehem. We did Bethlehem already. This is Bethlehem, right? This is the region of Judah. This is Ziklag, all right? Can you see that just looking at a map, your Bible can begin to come alive. It's already coming alive. Now, Jesus did ministry predominantly in this region. He travels all the way. This is Samaria. Travels all the way. All the way and comes to this point. Can you see that? That is the region of Caesarea Philippi. On the border of the lands that belongs to Manasseh and Naphtali, just at the foot of the mountain Hermon, it goes to that city. The average Jew was prohibited from going to Caesarea Philippi. How do I describe it today? I don't think there's any place in today's place that we can compare to Caesarea Philippi. So, Jesus gets there. Now, I'm sure the disciples thought that Jesus was traveling all the way to Damascus. Do you remember a young man? Who picks up letters from around here and also travels on the same journey on the way to Damascus? And the Bible tells us it was arrested somewhere there. You can see that the Bible is such a beautiful book. Because Jesus goes to a forbidden place to ask an important question Who am I? That's our discussion this morning. Who am I? You know, it's important not just to ask who am I, but where you are asking who am I is also important. Caesarea Philippi was one of the tetrachs. So when Herod the Great had divided the, his land into four regions and scattered it amongst his children, there are three Herods we read about mainly in the New Testament. We read about Herod the Great, the one who was uh, maliciously said to have ordered the killing, the one who the wise men came to. Is that familiar? That's a popular Christmas story. And they had gone to Herod and they asked that they, we heard, we saw a star. All right. Remember that Herod? Um, that Herod had another son 
all right? The, remember the one who killed or ordered the arrest of Peter and James and actually ordered the killing of James pending the killing of, of um, Peter. Remember, remember that one? That he wore a shining robe and was giving a nice speech. It was literally glistening, all right? And men said, no, this cannot be human. This is a, this is a God. And he accepted it. He received it. And you know how that story ends? And you know of another, another Herod, all right, who Paul, the one who probably traveled the same path on his way to Damascus and got arrested on the, around the region where Jesus says, I will build my church. Where he saw a great light in an unremarkable place. All right, also stands before another Herod and tells him about Jesus. And this Herod gives an interesting response of all the other Herods. He says that at this rate, I will almost become a believer. Almost become a believer. So what was really the big deal um, about Caesarea Philippi? Um, the Bible tells us very clearly that it is Caesarea Philippi and not just Caesarea because there were two Caesareas, okay? Hello? I know it's not Bible study, but if there's a place to learn Bible, where should it be? In church. So, are we still on track? Praise God. All right. There was a, another Caesarea, um, which was the official Roman seat and one of the arguable wonders of the world in that era because of the technology that went into it. But this one was designated as Philippi for you to know because there was a particular worship that was done there. It was the worship of a pagan god. And that pagan god was so dastardly worshipped that the worship that took place, took place there, the Jews made it a rule that we are making that place so, we are making it, you, you, you can't just go there. Are, are you following? I, I'm, I'm not saying what goes on there because it's not, it's not human worthy, let alone altar worthy. The worship of the god Pan, from where we get pandemonium, panic, panias, Pan. This demonic hybrid of man and goat was worshipped in that place and Jesus knew that he was worshipped in that place. All the Jews knew that there was demonic, demonic conference, like World Cup. Good. Found it finally. It was like World Cup of demons. Like the best of the best will show up at Caesarea Philippi and it's, it's like, what's the most deplorable thing you do to worship your God? And you say, oh, this is what? You say, oh, my coffee. You've not seen anything yet. You saw you throw animals? Are you kidding? In fact, when Jesus said, and the gates of Hades, if you were to take a trip to Israel and you join it to Caesarea Philippi, they will show you an entrance literally called the gate of Hades. In the worship of their demonic god, they will throw goats to appease this demonic god of fertility in the hope that he would give them blessings. And some will come from their own regions and say, you guys are throwing goats? You are throwing goats? What happened to throwing kids? What happened to throwing kids to appease this demon? And this was, this was the typical thing going on there with, with me not saying the other things that they do. So Jesus, his disciples were so sure that this is a, we are, we are stopping to refuel. They were so sure. It's refuel. How many of you know what it means to refuel? Remember the, the, the time I flew with one airline? I won't say the name. 
because it's one of Africa's best airlines. Amen. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. I thought we were, we were going to, we were flying to where we were flying to, and they said suddenly we are stopping over at Ireland, so I've already given them away to refuel. So the disciples were sure we are, we are going maybe to Mount Hermon, or we are going to Tyre, or we are going to Damascus. Worst case, it's a stopover to refuel. So Jesus says, come down. Jesus, all of us don't need to buy gas. Only you can go down. Peter, Peter, Peter will carry Z and follow you. Peter and James, let them go. The rest of us, we are staying here. Jesus said, we are not buying gas. Everybody, come down. Jesus, Caesarea Philippi, you don't know this place? I'm sure the sons of Zebedee, like, daddy must know here that we are here. He must not know. In this place, your feet touch this place. Jesus said, come down. So everybody came down. And he said, who do men say that I am? Who am I? Who am I? We cannot have a conversation about wholeness until each and every one of us can sufficiently answer that question, who am I? This is not a job interview. This is not an HR setup where they ask you, tell me about yourself. How do, you, how do you begin to answer that question? This is not for HR people. I know HR people have their way to answer that question. But when life is saying, who are you? It's not asking for your first name. It's not asking for what you do. It's not asking for who your grandfather is or who your grandmother was. It is, do you have a knowledge of your identity? Because if you don't know your identity, you can never achieve wholeness. You will be dragged and dragged and dragged just because you don't know who you are. So I want us to play a little game this morning. Are you going to play with me? Are you sure going to play with me? Did you enjoy our little map game? Uh, it was not really a game, but to, to appreciate how far Jesus traveled. Okay? Jesus traveled really, really, really far. To prove a point, he went to a specific location to prove a point. Praise God. Praise God. Now, one of the many ways that we answer the question, who am I, is, I brought some drama things here, okay? So please, just stay with me. One of the ways we answer the question, who am I, just because we don't know how to answer who am I, is we answer who am I with what I do. Are we still together? And if your answer to who am I is what I do, you will discover that at the best of what I do, there is still emptiness. So, who am I is, is lagging and suffering. Did, did you get that? If my definition of myself is that I am a mother, I can be the best mother in the world and still feel empty because the primary identity of who I am is not mother. Mother is what I do. Wife is what I do. I can be a great wife and still be wondering, so why still this emptiness? Where is it from? That's because I have not attended primarily to who I am, but to what I do. It's almost as saying, who am I? And I say, I'm the world's greatest recording artist ever, multi-award, Grammy winning. All right? Now you hear that kind of thing and you're like, you're all that. But the same person very shortly afterwards is convinced that they can commit suicide because for a long time, their answer to who I am was what I do. 
and they didn't find meaning and essence in what I do. So who am I was lacking? Are we still together? On a lighter note, a friend, I'll just say this, you know, with a lot of wool on it so that you will not know the way of it deliberately. A friend was celebrating a birthday and you know ladies don't joke with their birthdays. Hello. Hello. Guys, you didn't know? They don't joke with it. No, they don't joke with it. Guys, in case you didn't know, okay? Bro tip. They don't joke with their birthdays. You know, this is a lady who has, I won't say the number of children so that you guys will not calculate who I may or may not be talking about. Amen? You know the way FBI speak? We, we may, even someone left their children's church to come and hear gist. <laughs> Can someone help us shut the door to the children's church? <laughs> Praise God. All right? You know, and it's not my wife, oh, okay? Just in case. I think some of you have already, you know. <laughs> Praise God. And this lady was, she had done a nice photo shoot and was looking really young. That was not the day she wanted to be reminded that she was a mom. I didn't get the memo. So it's just the way, let's say the name of one of her children is Dio. Okay? So I'm like, happy birthday, mommy Dio. The moment I sent it, I knew it was a big blunder. She was looking young. She was feeling young. And here you are reminding her that she's mommy. Not today, please. I can be mommy. To, I'm sure even the kids. She has told them, guys, today I am this young 16-year-old. Forget my real age. But today I am 16. All right? And you people will pack there. I'm going to feel young today. And you are going to address me so. All right? And if you, get, if you, if you come and say, mommy, I'm not mommy today. She didn't even bother saying thank you. Me too. I got the message. I said, ah, ah no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me? Um, my look has changed. Who am I has not changed. But my look has changed. If you don't know who I am, you believe something significant has changed about me. Right? Because I look different. I probably do something different. True or false? Okay, let's change a bit more. If what if we didn't include me in that joke, it's fine. Okay. It, it, I look a little bit more different, right? But it doesn't change who I am. Unless if I don't know who I am. What I look like and what I do has now changed, right? Okay, let's go a step further. You remember this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> now, does this change who I am? It changes how I look, right? And probably what I do. Now. Does this change how I look? Does it, has it affected who I am yet? Has it affected who I am? The truth is, only my appearance has been changing since. Who I am, if I know who I am, is still who I am. Irrespective of how I look and what I do. Many of us have learned to reduce people to what they do and how they look and we miss who they truly are. Okay. 
So, let's go full hip hop now. Was anybody expecting this? I came, for, I came ready for you guys this morning. Has this changed who I am? It hasn't. Some, someone watching this is saying, what kind of irresponsible person do they have preaching at KICC in Toronto on a Sunday? Not knowing that this person knows who he is and he's still anointed. Nonetheless, irrespective of his sunshade and his bling, and this south-facing cap. Does this change who I am? Does this change who I am? Okay. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? Can I ask this blink blink so that you can listen to the word <laughs> and not be distracted by who I'm not? <laughs> Praise God. I'm not done. I'm not done with you. I came prepared for you guys. I came prepared so that you will ensure that you never misanswer this question. Again. Almost there, right? Most likely the person I'm about to give must be wearing a face cap. So, I mean, this just gives it away. I mean, I mean, I mean. So, um, my name is um, Dr. D, and I'm attending this morning. I've been reviewing your charts, and your latest results show that you are blessed. So why am I? Why am I? Why am I? We've, we've still not answered who I am. Because so far we've been discussing what I look like and what I do. In fact, it's possible that I can look like this and I can't do jack. And our world has paid so much attention to appearances and to doings, mistaking it for who I am. So, I might be a nurse, but that's not who I am. That is what I do. I might be a husband, but that's not who I am. That is what I do. And sometimes, some people just model up everything. So, so I receive a phone call, and the phone call goes, Oh, hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How is the church? We're doing fine. Okay, so this is why I'm calling. Someone else calls. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. Go straight to the point. Another person calls. Oh, how are you doing? Great. Oh, how is Lordy? Fine. How are the kids? Fine. And how is the church? We are doing great. And then goes to the conversation. Did you notice anything in those three different how are yous? Did you notice? Subtle, very little differences. Someone recognizes you first and asks how you are doing. Someone recognizes that the most important thing you are doing is ministry and asks how ministry is doing, not realizing that in God's hierarchy, your family comes even before your assignment and ministry. 
So many don't know this. They burn out doing ministry and family suffers. And they've raised people, but they've not raised their, their first ministry, their own family. So you're wondering, how can a great man of God who has healed and done mighty or great woman of God go through a divorce? In the U.S. now, there is a trend going on. They call it the great resignation. Many pastors are saying they are not doing again. I'm not telling you fiction. Can I remove this so that we can pay attention? <laughs> Praise God. Can you not agree with me that why I am isn't what I do? And why I am isn't what I look like? Somebody say glory to God. Let me remove this white coat too. Praise God. Can we go on with the message? So we can establish that who I am principally has to find its root from something else that is not how I look and that is not what I do. So where exactly and how do we answer this question? Jesus, journeys. can they put our map up a bit and then we can begin to fly and go into the midst of the message. Jesus travels through very popular cities. He goes through Tyre and Sidon which is the region to your own top left. It goes through the Sea of Galilee, goes through the western shore of Magdala, goes through Bethsaida, and lands to Caesarea Philippi, this city that is secluded and very forbidding. And he asks the all-great question, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Now, let me say this very quickly. Jesus knew who he was. And it is important that even if people don't know who you are, it is excusable for them, but you must know who you are. If you don't know who you are, and people claim to know who you are, they will convince you of who they say you are until you begin to believe it. And oftentimes their diagnosis is wrong because it is, it is not based on who you truly are. It is what they think you can do or what they desire you to be depending on who they are, especially parents. So Jesus knew who he was. There was another category that knew who he was. Now, this is really where I'm going to as the first point. Whether or not you know who you are, God knows who you are, and the devil has an idea of who you are. Can I show us that from Scripture? Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. We know the story of Matthew chapter 4. The Bible tells us just in the preceding chapter that Jesus had gone to Jordan to be baptized by John. And John said, no, I can't touch you. I can't even come near you enough to touch the, 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 the sandals of your feet. Jesus said, guy, we need to do this. And then he did it and the heaven opened. You know the story? We know the story? He says, this is my son. And Matthew chapter 4 shows us that Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 tells us, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. In the preceding experience, the heaven had opened and we had heard the declaration of God that the identity of this individual is that he is my Son. And I am well pleased in him. So God knew, right? Matthew chapter 4 verse 3, it tells us that the tempter also knew 
or agreed to an extent, even though he will put an if in front, because what he wants to be sure is that not just God knowing who you are, but you knowing who you are. So the devil shows up and says, if thou be the son of God. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 verse 24. Mark chapter 1 verse 24. He says, saying, let us alone. We have to do with thee. Sorry, let me read that again. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Can you see that? This is an unclean spirit that Jesus is about to cast out. The unclean spirit somehow in the realm of the spirit could tell who Jesus was. And we have examples of this across the New Testament. That even the lady who was doing divination by Python spirit was able to recognize that these are men who proclaim the living God. Accurate diagnosis, but just because the devil can't tell the truth, his diagnosis can never be accurate. Are you still in church this morning? Are you sure you're still in church this morning? So God has a full knowledge of your identity, even if you don't know it yet. The devil has an idea. These demon spirits, look at Mark chapter 1. He calls him Jesus of Nazareth, and he recognizes him as the only one of God. So there is that recognition of identity. All right. Mark chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 7. Mark chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 7. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped. That means he bowed. Verse 7 says, And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? This is another unclean spirit. Son of the Most High God. Can you see that? I adjure thee by God that thou torments me not. I think we, we touched this scripture in part one. But there was a recognition that this is the Son of the Most High God. Now, God knew that this was my Son. The devil knew that this is the Son of God. Demons and foul spirits knew that this was the Son of God. The biggest calamity is the Son of God not knowing that he is the Son of God. And I've come to tell you this morning that the biggest source of any imbalance, any pressure on your whole being is you not knowing because God knows. And the devil knows. In fact, you don't know why the enemy is after you so much because you don't see what he should be after anyways. And like, leave me alone. Why are you looking? There are more serious people you should be after, not me. And he's saying, God has seen it. We've recognized it. The fact that you've not seen it yet doesn't mean we won't come after you. So there's grace on your life. And the enemy sees it. The big question is, who are you? So in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, Jesus gives us insight into the possible places where that answer can come from. That first and foremost, people will volunteer suggesting to you who you are. And when they can't pin who you are, they will describe you based on what you do and based on precedence. They will call you a prophet. And if you don't know who you are, it will sound good enough. To the average Jew, if you tell me, I'm in the rank of Elijah, are you kidding? Do you know who Elijah was? Call down fire? Or you call me in the rank of Jeremiah? Or in the rank of any of the prophets? It is dignifying enough apart from the fact that that is not who I am. In fact, if I really want to show you, you are bigger than all of those. Jesus says, of the prophets, the greatest is John. 
And even he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So if Jesus didn't have that understanding, putting him in the same group with Elijah and with Isaiah and with Jeremiah and with all the prophets would have been big deal except from the fact that God has now raised you to a superior level. That you are not even at the level of the prophets. So thank you for your suggestion, but I know who I am. I'm not one of the prophets. They will reduce you to where you are from. They reduce you to where you're from. And where you're from is not who you are. It plays a big role in forming and shaping me, but that's not who I am. I am not black. I'm not the color of my skin. That's not who I am. It's a secondary identity. It's a secondary tag, but that's not primarily who I am. Hmm. This is very key. Let me tell you, after today, one of the things by the Spirit I know you will begin to do you pay attention to every, every word that comes out after you have said, I am. Every word that comes out. Do you know this thing we just described now? Do you know we do it to God? Do you know we do it to God? Rather than telling God who he is for who he is and worshipping him for who he is, which is why we started that way by saying we will worship you for who you are. Many times we reduce God to what he's doing. And we give him great names, which is why God says that I have exalted my own word above my own name because what you call my name really is what you describe me as because of what I've done. I provided for you, you called me Jireh. I showed up for you, you called me Bana. Nisi. I healed you, you called me Rafa. He said those are the things I do. There is who I am. And Moses said, boy, I'm going to a people who have many gods, just like the guys in Caesarea Philippi. Who will I say, send me? He says, just tell them I am. He said, I am that did what he said, I am. What does I am do? I am. Where is I am from? I am. That's, a, that's, that's really the root of identity. That before what I do, I have settled who I am. And I was just meditating during the worship. That scripture says, it shall be called and it shall. Can somebody see that? And it shall be called identity and then it shall assignment. So identity comes before assignment. Would the men say that I am flesh and blood will suggest answers to you but Jesus gives us the only source of an accurate identity of the human creation. Scripture gives us the source. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Somebody say, my Father which is in heaven. Somebody say, my Father which is in heaven. So if you don't want the answer to who am I to transform to what I do, where I'm from, what my assignment is, I am a pastor. I pastor the largest church in North America. Glory to God. <laughs> All right. That's still not my identity. That is what I do. Because if I make it my identity, the day another pastor 
becomes the pastor of the largest church in North America, that is an affront on my identity. So if my identity is something else, and my assignment is that, and I understand that I'm not the only one that has this assignment, there are a lot of us. Did they someone else, pastors, the largest church in North America, who is that person to me? A friend, a co-laborer. Can you see that? So all of these clashes is because we have been defining ourselves by what we do and what we have, not who we are. Let me tell you, a revelation of who you are is the ultimate key to your mental well-being. Every other thing we are talking about, they are very important plugins. A revelation of your identity. I'm talking about a solid understanding of who you are, that things can change on the outside. Things can be adjusted. Appearances can change. Occupations can change. Assignments might evolve. However, the core knowledge of my identity still remains intact. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. So what I do isn't who I am. But what I am determines what I do. What I am determines what I do. If you really know who you are, life will ask you questions. Do you know who you are? Luke chapter 22 verse 54 to verse 60. Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to verse 60. Is it on your screen? All right. This is a story you know very well. Please, let's read. It says, Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. We can, we can take the, the map off now. Thank you. And Peter followed afar off. Is that in your Bible? Peter followed afar off. This is the Peter who by revelation had informed us that this is the Christ, right? Hello? Are we still in church this morning? So it means that your knowledge of identity needs to be constantly plugged in. If not, there will be a delicate combination of circumstances that will make you doubt what you once believed to be true. Is, is this as simple as it should be? Is this as simple as it should be? Okay, let's rewind back a bit. Remember what we just referred to in Matthew chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. Jesus was baptized by who? By John, right? The Bible tells us that the heavens opened, right? And the Spirit of God descended, right? As the appearance of a dove, right? And a voice spoke, right? How many actions have we described? And the voice said, this is my son, right? And the people heard it, right? Enough for the witnesses to be able to document it. And for the people that Luke, who was not an eyewitness, but the people he would later interview confirmed that that actually took place. True or false? However, something happens to this same John. In fact, in fact, what happened to this same John is connected to this same Herod family. It's this same family. This family of Herod the Great and all his children. I don't want to tell you their names. So John was watching the news one day. And he said, breaking news. Adultery in the royal family. 
Someone says it's 2021. Zip up. Okay, some people didn't get that. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So John left his assignment of repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Really, his, his main assignment was to announce the Christ. Immediately announced the Christ. Ideally, what John should have done is if my identity, if I know my identity as John, having completed this assignment, God, what's next? For those who have a knowledge of identity, they treat assignments as projects. The definition of a project is that it has a start time and a what? End date or end time. And then the next question is, what's next? Intact identity. John had mingled his identity with his assignment so that when that assignment was done, instead of asking what next, he became a political commentator. And it's still happening today. You see, people who have preached the gospel become analysts shortly after. Pointing fingers, doing mashups of different people. Once anointed, once preached the gospel. So John was watching the news and he said, hey, it is not right for you to take this woman. You can't marry her. She can't be your wife. I said, why are you talking about royal family? Take him to the prison. They took him to the prison. Shall I tell you? Oh, I told you, I told you to take the map away. Please put it back. This is getting sweet. Let me tell you, the Bible is sweeter than all these your shows. Oh. All these your movies. God will bless us. And we will turn these scriptures into action movies. You know, we've not really invested in Bible stories. We've not. And thank God that that is changing little by little. That we are bringing quality into God's kingdom. In the past, if you see a movie shot in 4K and one shot in 144, you are so sure that is the, is, the, is the Christian one. That is 144. That is changing. Somebody is like, what's 144? Okay. Praise God. Do you, want, do you want me to show you where? Let's just focus on the word of God. They, they hid him in a fortress around here. And it was there, it was there long enough. You know, in psychology, when you are detached from society, it is, it is documented in science that your mind begins to run wild. That's the power of solitary confinement. Sometimes it's almost like, if you want to kill me, just kill me. That's what they did to John at the island of Patmos. But they did this to this John. And while John was there, he said, send a message to Jesus. Are you the Messiah or should we expect another one? And I'm like, John, you baptized this guy. You were there when the heaven opened. You told the people that there is one coming after you whom we are not worthy. What has changed? You know what has changed? Life had happened. And the same Peter who will tell us, thou art the Christ. Life was happening to him right now. That the one who had received the revelation, the, the reason why I'm emphasizing this is when you find that, we will get to it shortly, when you find that identity that this is who I am, hold on to it. And hold on to it fast. Because life will ask you questions. Situations will ask you questions. And rather than going back to say, are you the one or are you not the one that you'll be able to hold and say, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. Boy, am I persuaded that this thing is temporary. What I have found is real. This thing is fleeting. What I have found is eternal. Hmm. So let's go back to Luke 22. Peter was a far off. 
And when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Can you see this thing playing out? Number one, it was a fire off. Number two, he sat down in the wrong company. But a certain maid beheld him, sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. What did Peter say? Which man? Jesus. How do you, how do you spell Jesus? Is it J or G? The lady was like, You mean you don't know? I thought you were me? Jesus? No, no, it's Jesus. You mean there's someone named Jesus? Say, so you, you used to be with him. How can I be with someone I don't know? Remember, this is not just someone you know. This is someone that has been revealed. But given the right circumstances, what you consider to be revealed will even be tested. So he tells the woman, I don't know him. Another man comes, tells the man, I don't know him. In the multitude, not multitude though, in the mouth of two, not just two, and three witnesses, Peter successfully did what? Denied Jesus. He denied Jesus. So when you have this revelation, you hold on to it. I'm sure the biggest question is, Speedy, how do I find and answer this question? I'll tell you. I gave us an assignment at the beginning, right? In that assignment, I didn't give you the I, did, I, I gave the answer, but I didn't help you enough. But thank God now, my heart has grown larger. Glory to God. And I will help us. The reason why we help us is because when you have a group of people that know who they are, we can do more for God's kingdom. We can go farther. We can go further. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Let's look at another scenario. We are, we are wrapping up now, believe it or not. Around somebody say wrap up. Pity you are joking. You won't finish. We won't allow you to go out today. <laughs> you are not stepping out of that door. Glory to God. I know once the strings come on, boy, we are really, really wrapping up. Praise God. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I just want you to remind yourself I refuse to be identified by what I do or where I am from. No matter how great or no matter how terrible it is, I am who I am, not what I do. It is very important. We live in a world that is becoming more identity confused. People are now identifying as animals. People are identifying as objects. I identify as Fistowell. And from today henceforth, I choose to be called Fistowell. And you have to respect me and my opinion. I now identify as leather. I, I, I don't believe in humankind and I've given up on humanity. Leather there's hope for leather. Leather is proof of integrity. Leather is proof of renewal. Renewal. It can be polished. It can be shined. You humans, <laughs> you cannot be polished. <laughs> Therefore, I identify as leather. Someone can say, I identify as spirits. I'm not male. I'm not female. I am they. They, them, and spirits. Very soon, LinkedIn will tell us to add Legion because that's, that's really where they are going to. Yeah. E, him, she, her, they, them, and then Legion. 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 So they will say, how many are you? They say, we are many here. <laughs> we are many here. We identify as a lot. Where do we start from? 
Do you, do you have do you have time? Should we order coffee for you? Do you have to, let's let's run through where we really are. Mm. And that's because people are genuinely seeking to find identity. That's what you will discover. It's just it's, it's just a search. And someone find gives a suggestion and they're like, oh, it makes sense. Let me go that route. And that's why the, 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 the kingdom of the other side is investing heavily in it. Investing heavily in it that those who are confused. You know, there's, there's the value of decision and political strategy. They tell you about this. In any given election, there's a minimum number of people that this is who they will vote for. It doesn't matter what that person is. This party is what they are voting for. Whether the candidate for that party is a goat or an handkerchief, that is who they are voting for. They, and they know this. The real battle is won in those who we call undecided. They are the ones we can. And that's why that investment is going on. These undecided identifiers. Let's go to their schools. Let's go to their songs. Let's go to their stories. Let's go to their cartoons. Let's go to their shows. Let's go to their events. And begin to suggest a new identity to them. This is who you can be. This is what your future can be. Let's begin to normalize this thing. It's okay. It's okay and it's normal. We are, society has been mad and wrong for thousands of years. Now we suddenly have sense you can identify as anything. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 17. When life asks you this question, you must remind yourself of who you are. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Boy, don't I love this scripture. You know, I can just stay here. I know you are not seeing it yet, but you will see it. And he said, a certain man had two sons. I just love that verse. As far as this man was concerned, these are my sons. They are not their decisions. One is about to do something stupid. Another one is about to do something foolish. One is one who owns everything is about to be slaving. That the day I kill a kid, a calf, is going to vex that there's a party. Not knowing that everything I own. Let me tell you, these two sons were both stupid. But they were still sons. And the only thing the father just wanted was, can we just settle that your identity is son and that you own everything that I own? Can I drop the mic now? If we close the message now, we are done. That's my identity, is son. Everything that belongs to the Father in Christ belongs to me. Now, one of us will go the prodigal way. No matter how far you go, no matter the chances you make, your identity there, even if you are eating pig's food, and if you have been employed, doing some funny, shady job, your identity there is still what? Is still what? Son. The one who stays in the house and is waking up at five and, and doing all sorts and saying, God, it is because I wake up at five. It is because I went for evangelism. I have served you faithfully. I'm not like your other stupid son that went to go the prodigal way, wasted everything with our lots and has now come back. I am now throwing a party. I've been here and you didn't wound. And he's saying, you will serve. You will work for me. But if you are doing all of that as slave, you miss who you are. You are what? Son. All that I have is what? Is yours. Somebody say I am a son. Somebody say I am a son. Ladies, please don't struggle with saying that. Somebody say I am a son. 
that's my identity. I am a son, then I am a husband. For some of you, I am a son, then I am a wife. I am a son, I am a mom. I am a son, I am a dad. I am a son, and I am also a pastor. I am a son, I am an evangelist. I am a son, I am a movie producer. I am a son, I am a singer. I am a son, I am a recording artist. When I fail as a recording artist, I don't have to kill myself and bring my life to an end because irrespective of whether I fail in my assignment or even if I succeed in my assignment, I'm still what? I'm still a son. Whether I fail as a father or do great as a father, the truth is that I'm still a what? I'm still a son. That is where my primary identity is. That is where I find meaning. That is where I take bearing from and find my definition. Everything the Father has belongs to me. Everything the Father has belongs to me. And I pray for you under the sound of my voice this morning that you receive a revelation of who you are in the mighty name of Jesus. I promise to do a little bit better than we did when we had a conversation near to this encounter culture. And I want to show you how you can find yourself. You will only find yourself in God's word. And when you do, hold on to it. Don't be like John the Baptist, that the prison will make you ask, did I see right? Did I hear right? <laughs> Don't be like Peter, that having received the revelation of the Father on another day, you're saying, I don't even know him. Be like Jesus. I am. I am. I am. So how do you find your own identity? In eternity, God built all of us as sons into his son. This is the most important part of this morning's service. God built all of us as sons into his son. We will show up as children. Remember part two? We will show up as children, but we are built to be sons in the Son. So therefore, if I must find my identity, I will only find it in the Son. And I'm going to break it down for you, what that means practically. In the Old Testament, I wrote it down, there are 31,103 verses there. There is at least one verse that describes you. Now, the intelligence that coded potentially billions of people into scriptures, I'm going to stand before God and say, God, I, I give it to you. You know, God doesn't have a logistics problem. He knows all our names. He knows all of us, all our names. He knows the number of air on our head or the lack of it. For those of us with Afro, amen. Amen. If my self-esteem was tied to my appearance, what I just said now, I cannot say it. I can't say it, but I know who I am. I am not my heir. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. I am a son. I am a son. Whether there is a designer badge here or not, I, 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 am, I, am, I, I am solid in who I am because I found myself in his word. Many people will lack this self-esteem, compensate for it with designer names. You might not know who I am, but I wear Gucci. 
You might not know who I am, but my belt is LV. Even LV. Does he know who he is? So you find yourself in the sun. Let me tell you the two ways practically I'll bring this service to a close. Have you been blessed so far? Of the over 30,000 verses in the Old Testament, there are some of them called messianic prophecies. They don't only talk about Jesus, but they also talk about you. One of those verses is about your life. Go and find it. You won't really find it. It will be revealed to you. You've read it before. I can tell you that. You've read it before. When I found mine, I was like, God, thank you. It adds up now. Thank you. In the new covenant, we have a full picture of that body of Christ called the church. There are scriptures and adjectives used to describe that body. Because God has built you to be a part of that body, one of those adjectives and descriptions is also about you. Did you get that? Did you get that? So you will find an identity word about you in the Old Testament looking like a messianic prophecy. You find it in the New Testament looking like a description of the church. But it is really talking about you. I found it in scripture that I'm God's masterpiece. The day it came alive to me was as though I'd never read it before. I'm like, wait, masterpiece? You mean I'm not mass pro? Of the billions of people, you mean God really, really took time to make me? I'm his masterpiece. It just stuck. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Please bring the strings up a bit. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 17. It says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we, no man after the flesh. I will not reckon you by how you look. I will not reckon you by how society describes you. I will not reckon you as what you do. I will not reckon you by your appearance. I will not reckon you by the color of your skin. It says, no, we therefore no one after the flesh. It says, yeah, though we have known Christ after the flesh, it was a carpenter's son. It was from Nazareth. But it says, yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. We won't reduce him to just this Jewish rabbi that was just traveling and doing miracles. We will reckon that this is the son. And in that revelation, we find our own identity. And he says in verse 17, that therefore, based, can you see what therefore means? Therefore means based on a refusal to draw identity based on appearance and based on tags and descriptions. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any boy, if any girl, if any lady, anyone is not going to take a history of your past, is not going to audit your decisions and check whether you are now good enough. He says, if anyone be in Christ, there is something that happens here. It's called transformation. You are now being reckoned brand new old things are passed away behold all things are become new let's jump to verse 20 he says now then are we ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead that you be reconciled to God 21 
For he has made him to be sin for us. When you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody say with me, I am the son of God. Do you believe that? Let's try it again. I am the son of God. Say it again. I am the son of God. Let me tell you, you will live today before you say anything after I am. You will tweak a bit. When you want to say, I am tired, you just remember this sermon. Oh, oh I feel tired. So that you correct yourself. Do you know there are two different things? I am tired is different from I feel tired. Somebody say again, I am the son of God. Some of you, the devil is replaying some things to you. Say you, you are joining them to say it. <laughs> you are joining them to say you are the son of God. Let her keep quiet. You know you are not anything son of God. Keep quiet. So let's do it again and let's shame that liar. I am the son of God. Let's change gears to gear two. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I take my identity in Christ. I don't care what my world calls me. It calls me a masterpiece. It calls me blessed. It calls me redeemed. It calls me worth dying for. Do, do you know what God is thinking about now? The Bible says he thinks about me. Can you imagine that? He's, he's obsessed with my well-being. In Christ Jesus, that is my identity. You may not like me. You may not like my face. You may not like my accent. You may not like the color of my skin. But guess what? I am the son of God. And he loves me absolutely. He loves me absolutely. Whenever I'm feeling heavy and feeling queasy, this thing has happened, this thing has not happened. Oh, I am a this, I am a that. No, 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 no. Don't mix things up. I am a son of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am his masterpiece. Let me look at your neighbor. Say it as proudly as you can. God finished work on me. You know you can't say it without smiling. Say it, let them, let them, some of them are doubting on you. <laughs> I say, hey, you can't see it yet. I might need to buy you glasses. But boy, God finished work on me. I am his masterpiece. He has a glorious, bright future for me. And I will be all that he says. Glory to God. Have you been blessed this morning? Why don't you just rise on your feet and say, thank you, Jesus, for your word. I am not what I do. I am not what they have described me as. Yes, sometimes their descriptions are painful, but I remind myself that I am his son. I am a child of God. I am his son. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, I sinned. Yes, I fell, but that's not who I am. I am not a sinner. I am not a liar. I am not a fornicator. I am not an adulterer. I am not a diabetic. I am not an hypertensive. I am not barren. I am not unfruitful. I am not poor. I am not broke. I am what God's word says I am. I am a son. I am a son. I am a son of the Most High. Everything he has, I have. Everything he has, I have. I am his righteousness. He sees me as perfect. He calls me loved. He calls me his own. I am. Before you get all excited, this is only true for the one who is in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ, this is an invitation of love. He reckons you as his own. You've made poor decisions. You've made choices. But you are still his own. You belong to him. Sometimes you tell the value of a thing by how much it was paid for it. 
if you forget what you are worth, just check what was used to pay for you. The blood of Jesus. The most precious currency in the entire universe. I want to pray with you as we bring this service to a close. We've overshot the time a bit, but this is the, this is the key moment. This is the key moment. You are saying, someone is listening now, you're saying, you mean all of those things I did, how far I went from him, how I rebelled, are you saying I can still come home to him and claim to be his son? Yes. He wants to make you brand new. He wants to make you brand new. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Today, I agree that you died so that I can be a Son of God. I accept this gift of salvation and I am made brand new by your glory. I receive your grace. I am filled by your spirit as I believe in my heart and as I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. He died for me. He was buried for me. He rose for me. He's glorified for me. As he is, so I am. Thank you, gracious Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. If you just said that prayer, congratulations to you. You are now brand new. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Let me bring the strings up a bit. Just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Your day why is your name. Breathe, Lord. Just breathe your name. Just breathe your name. Let's sing it one more time. Just breathe your name. Just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Just breathe your name. Hey, your day why is your name breathe, Lord? Just breathe your name. Come on, let's say it one more time. Hey, just breathe your name upon me. Breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Just breathe your name. I am who you say I am. I am what you say I am. I have what you say I have. I am where you say I am at. Is your name breathe, Lord? Just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Please let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. I speak over the lives of your children that they receive illumination by your spirit to see themselves in your word in the mighty name of Jesus and as they see it nothing will be able to take it away from them circumstances will not take it away from them life events will not take it away from them they will find themselves in Christ and they will be established in that knowledge in the name of Jesus for as many who have currently received tags that are not consistent with God's word we see examples in scripture. Blind Bartimaeus, leper, issue of blood, all sorts of tags that the enemy continues to label on God's children and just hoping that hopefully they will know who they are so they can keep these tags. 
I stand under the anointing of the one who shed his precious blood for these ones and made full payment for them. That every tag from the pit of hell that does not belong to your children will rip it off. In the mighty name of Jesus, whatever you have called yourself, whatever life has called you, that is not who you are in consistency with God's word, we tear such labels off. In the name of Jesus, and I release over your life the grace to grow into the fullness of all that you are, to become all that God says you are, to begin to see yourself as he sees you, to begin to look through his lens and place value on your life that I am not meaningless. I am not just here trying to make sense of life, but I am a son on an assignment that that grace will rest upon us. In the name of Jesus. For as many who will say, PD, where I am right now is far from reality. It's far from reality. I sense I must pray with this person. I'm trying to round up. But I sense the Spirit of God saying, you need to release a son. You need to release a son. There's a citizen of the kingdom that has been captured. You need to release a son. It's as though there is an emissary, a royal host, going, waiting for a release. Waiting for a release. Father, I stand in the name of Jesus. Anyone who has been bound under chains, anyone who has been confined or reduced to a life that is far, far, and they are wondering, no, no, there's no way I can be a son. There's no way my life can make sense anymore. Anyone who is convinced right now that they've reached rock bottom and they've reached the end of it and their life makes no more sense, we break such chains of lies, we break such chains of heaviness, we break such chains of darkness, and we declare, let that person go. In the name of Jesus, we set you free from every prison that the enemy has captured you and that the things you've known in the light, the visions you've run with in the past that have become so bleak right now, we speak restoration. Over your life, we speak restoration. In the name of Jesus, you will live again. You will dream again. You will live again. You will be happy again. You will be joyful again. You will be alive again. And it will be to the glory of God. Thank you, Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Come on, if you believe it is done, jam those hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.